welcome on this baptism Sunday. I'm excited that we we get to do this today. I'm I've got a word that God laid on my heart, so it's not going to be a long one. We're going to do that, and then we're going to go celebrate with a few people that have requested and want to be baptized today. And if if God's pulling on your heart and you didn't plan on it, you can you can jump in line too if you want to. But it's just such an exciting day, and so thanks to some of you that showed up to as friends and family to support the people that are being baptized and and just as their church body and their friends here to support. What we're going to do is I'm going to give you the message that God laid on my heart, and then we're all going to head straight over to Bo and Amanda's house. It's on this road less than half a mile from here. So if you don't know where Bo and Amanda's house is, just follow all the cars. It'll be kind of like a, a little procession, baptismal procession, we'll call it. So you just follow the cars. And the reason we chose Bo and Amanda's house is because they have a heated pool and it's probably much warmer than the lake or another place we could have done it so uh because we were going to do this baptismal service in the summertime when it was warm like we normally do but um because of coronavirus and all the lockdowns and all the all that stuff it got kind of pushed back so i think it's god's timing and uh, i'm excited all right so if you're turning with me in your bibles Go ahead and turn. We're going to start in Proverbs. If not, we'll have it up on the screen behind me. I'm going to start in Proverbs 4, 23. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the condition of your heart. I just want you to do like a self-examination. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or, or fill out a card or anything. I just want you to kind of think about it in your mind. What's the condition of your heart? Um, there's a great line in a song I heard this week. Um, it says, I want to... Now I can't remember the line of the song. Heart on fire that'll never grow tired. It's in that song, Ghost. And it's, I want a heart on fire that'll never grow tired. And I was like, yeah, I want a heart on fire that'll never grow tired. How do we get that? The heart on fire, that passion for God that never grows tired. We never find ourselves weary or tired or, or losing our passion. So what's the condition of your heart? Maybe it's grown cold. Maybe your heart hasn't been on fire for anything in a long time. Well, it's been a hard year. I've had to face some ugly giants. There's been some crazy things that have happened to me. There have been some crazy things that happened this year. Maybe things that have happened to you out of your control. Maybe things that you could control. But I think it's been a pretty crazy year for all of us for different reasons. We've all experienced loss and we've all experienced different battles and different things that we had to go through. But before we read the scripture, I want to point out that a fighter needs an opponent. Otherwise, they're never a good fighter. If I decide I'm going to be a boxer and I just train at boxing all the time and never fight anybody, I'm not a very good boxer. We don't know. Maybe I'm great, but if I never fight any battles, if I never have an opponent, then how are we going to know if I'm good or not? You don't. Here's somebody bragging about their defense on, oh man, my football team's got the best defense there is. And you know, the, the line, what you say to them, they haven't played anybody. Because that's how you measure if they're good or not. 
is the giants that they've killed. It's the opponents that they've gone up against. What is a hero without a villain? Not a hero. Superhero needs a supervillain. So if you've come up against some hard things this year or in your life, that's okay. You got to learn how to beat it. You got to learn how to grow through it, not just go through it. You want to come out the other side better, not bitter. Healed, not broken. And I believe a lot of that has to do with the condition of your heart. A clean wound heals. Don't let it get infected. I was thinking about this when I was thinking about about a hero needs a villain and a superhero needs a supervillain. But what is it that makes a hero? Like, is it strength? No. There'll be strong people that aren't, and some heroes aren't strong. Some superheroes are. Is it speed? No. It's a cape and tights. No. no, it's not a cape and tights. It's who or what he is fighting. Guess what? You can take a superhero and bring him in here in the sanctuary and then bring a little girl like, think of my niece Paisley, one of the last ones that Favor walked out carrying her. Y'all saw me just wave at her going out. My little niece Paisley with her blonde hair and her blue eyes. Bring a superhero in here and have him start beating her up. He's no longer a superhero. He becomes a villain then. That's when I become the hero. <laughs> Bet you can't beat me to him. Right, because it, strength doesn't make a hero and speed doesn't make a hero and superpowers don't make a hero. It's who or what you're fighting or what you're fighting for. So I start out this message by asking you that question. Who are you fighting? What are you fighting? And I would encourage you to fight for something and not against something. As we look throughout Scripture, we're told to fight for love and fight for peace and fight for our families and fight for community and fight. And when we look at the life of Jesus, he fought for the kingdom and he fought for a lot of things, not against things. Usually when you're fighting against something, you're fueled by hate. But when you're fighting for something, you're fueled by love. And when you're fighting fueled by love and you're fighting for the greater good, a bigger cause, then it's not so much about the giant that's in front of you or hate for that giant. You're fighting for a different reason. If you're fighting against something, then you're fueled by hate. And it's always about the thing that's in front of you right now. And it can consume you. And it can keep you from hearing the voice of God and it can harden your heart. When we're talking about the condition of your heart. I believe we all have a hero's heart. But some of us numb it. And some of us harden our hearts because of things we've been through for different reasons. So fight for your families and fight for community and fight for relationship. 
Fight for the underdogs. Fight for love and hope and peace and unity. Fight for your future, not against the past. Can't go back. Change your focus and fight for the future. Some of y'all have moved everywhere but on. (laughs) See what I did there? (laughs) In Him we live. In Him we move. And in Him we have our being. So... How do I have a heart on fire, a heart that's passionate, or like the song says, a heart on fire that'll never grow tired? I want that to be said about me. You don't take moments for granted. You don't think, oh, I'll, I'll do it now, and, but oh, it doesn't matter now because nobody's looking, or I'll do Every moment matters. And you understand that every moment could be a defining moment. You don't take moments for granted. And you must hear God's voice. You've got to hear His voice. Last week we talked about your response to His voice. And training yourself to to respond with obedience to His voice. Go back and listen to it if you didn't hear it. So what's the state or the condition of your heart? Let's look at Proverbs 4, 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. If your heart's in the right place... takes care of a lot of problems like we've had conversations with the worship team and different people on and off the the team over the years and and there's a different attitude or mindset if your heart's in the right place or not right if you're just up here for a performance or if you're up here to lead to worship and and really it comes down to a heart in the wrong place is I have to be up here. I have to learn the songs. I have to do this. And, and a heart in the right place says I get to. It's an honor. Like I get to be a part of this. And you're just thankful and grateful for every time you get to be a part of it. That's the difference. Like take a little kid that's playing rec ball and you tell me which one you think is going to be better at the sport. We'll call it football. The practice. It's because he knows it's making him better or the kid that has to go to practice. The kid that gets to go to practice is going to play with a lot more passion and a lot more heart. You understand that every moment in life's not fun. There's a whole lot of moments that are just obedience. It's just doing what you know to do next. It's being faithful. It's, it's, it's doing what God's called you to do.
You know if you get good at hearing God's voice that you don't have to pray about it when he tells you to do something? Think about that. Well, let me pray about it. If if God tells you to do something, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, you don't have to pray about it. You can just do it right away. If I tell my son Sky to go take out the trash and he looks at me with his controller in his hand and says, I'll pray about it, Dad. I'm going to be aggravated. <laughs> right? And I feel like sometimes that we just use that as a cop-out and God tells us to do something and instead of obeying God and stepping out, like again, like what we talked about last week about striking while the iron's hot, instead of obeying God, we say, well, let me pray about it. And he's like, Pray to me and ask me if you should do what I told you to do. It don't make a lot of sense. Oh, but I'm going to be spiritual and pray about it. Now, I'm not saying if I tell you to do something, pray about it. Go for it. You should. I'm saying if you hear God's voice, react. You don't have to pray about that one. I'm giving you permission. Just do it. So... There's three main reasons that we miss God or we don't hear God. So why don't we hear God or, or how do we miss God? The first one, I think, is just busyness. Like we get so busy with life and we get wrapped up in even good things, bad things. Could be sin, could be could just be the busyness of life and figuring things out and worried about politics and whatever. Like we get so busy. Ever ask like most people, you notice, you ask people how they're doing and they just say, busy, I'm busy. Oh, just so busy. Always busy. You should be okay to just be sometimes. Like what is it that you're busy with? What is it that you're filling your heart and your soul and your mind with every day? We all have 24 hours in a day. Every one of us has the same amount of time. Wish I could do big things. Wish I could help somebody. I wish I could change the world. Like we all, we all have the same amount of time. We choose what we do with it, what we support. just busyness second one it's competing voices everything else is so loud and we let so many things and people have a voice in our life and and stuff and we were we were sitting in the living room a couple nights ago and jesse was on one couch and i was on the other couch where we normally me and malachi usually sit on one we all have our it's not assigned seats but it's all like our seats People get annoyed if somebody gets in their seat in the living room. Unless company's over and then you can sit wherever you want. So me and Malachi were on our couch and Jesse and Sky and Titus were on their couch. And the TV was on, I think it was a football game. There was a football game on, really loud. Malachi and Titus were in a nice, loud conversation back and forth, like across the two couches. I forgot what Sky was doing. He was doing something loud. And I was trying to tell Jesse something very important. 
across that and with the TV on and all. And her eyes were like shooting over, looking at what they're doing and looking at the TV and looking at me and looking all around. And, and I was like, hello. Like, can, I'm trying to, this is important. She said, I know, I'm sorry. I just can't focus. There's just too much going on in here. It's just too much, like the, the TV and him and him, and I'm, they're arguing about this, and he's talking about that, and they're like, and it was nothing bad going on. It was just too many voices for her to hear the extreme wisdom that was coming out of the mouth of her husband. <laughs> or I don't remember what I was saying. I don't know that it was that important or profound, but you get the point. Like, in like, we get so many things going on. It doesn't even necessarily have to be bad things. We just have so many voices coming in that we can't hear God. It doesn't mean God quit speaking. Well, last time God said something to me was in 1988. Well, I guarantee you that's not the last time He said something to you. That's the last time you heard. All right. You need to just get a spiritual Q-tip. That can be your subtitle for this message. Spiritual Q-tip. My editor said no. Oh, well. Put that in the title graveyard with all the other ones. It's competing voices. So sometimes we just have to quiet the other voices. Mute the TV. Tell the boys to stop talking for a minute. There's a voice I need to hear. Guys, if we can hear God's voice, then it'll change everything. If we can tune into His voice, then we know what to do next. If we hear His voice, I've been reminded of recently that if, if I can hear His voice then no matter what storm comes next, I can trust, I have faith, I know it's going to be okay because I heard His voice. If I don't hear His voice, there's a lot of fear and anxiety and wondering and uh, hoping. And His voice brings comfort. I'm going to read you Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12.1. 12, Sounds like the kids are having a good time. <laughs> Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. That beset us that word beset means to trip us, make us weak, take our joy. And notice how the writer of Hebrews here says, lay aside every weight and sin. So weight and sin are different. I mean, we all know what sin is. Missing the mark and doing something bad and what I'm not supposed to. But a weight can just be Things that you're carrying that you're not supposed to carry. It can even be good things that make you too busy or make you not hear His voice. 
So we got to lay aside the weight and the sin that would trip us, that would make us weak, that would steal our joy. And what? And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. In, in my mind, that didn't really make sense. Like, how do you run with patience? I think to run is to run, but it's difficult to run with patience. How do we do that? You know that the price has been paid and you walk in it. How do I run with patience? That word that was translated patience, it's a Greek word, and it means consistency. The writer is saying, run with consistency the race that is set before you, the path to your future, your purpose, your calling from God. Run that race with consistency. Don't be blown back and forth with every storm and wind and up and down. And Run your race with consistency. Trust in God. Walk in obedience. And keep on stepping. Well, how do we do that? He tells us in verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. Not other people. Not looking unto your pain. Not looking unto your loss. Not looking unto the craziness. Of the, looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We look at Jesus. Look how the, I'm going to read you how the Message Bible words those same verses we just read. Hebrews 12. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way. All these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. How are we going to do that? Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith or with a cold heart, go over that story again item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. You ever feel like you just need adrenaline shot into your soul? Plug into the source. If I forget to plug my cell phone into the source of power one night, it doesn't work the next day. Plug back into the source, looking unto Jesus, 
looking back at the source. He said, never give up. How? Be connected to the source. And then no matter how draining the day is, you have the power to function. Third one. Third reason we don't hear God is an unprepared heart. See, I don't think like the competing voices and to be a lot of times I don't think about this about this one like the competing voices and too busy to listen for God but an unprepared heart you ever like prepared for a meeting that hadn't happened yet or even like a family deal a family dinner and you thought about it oh lord there's this drama going on and what if this happens and is he going to be there or is she going to be there and you prepare for or maybe it's a meeting with your boss and you're not looking forward to it and you go over all these different scenarios of what could happen or how it could go wrong or if it goes good or you're preparing for it before you even get there Prepare for what's coming. In Matthew, Jesus tells a parable um, about the sower and the seed. And that the sower is sowing the seed and some of it falls on good ground and it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. Some of the seed falls on hard ground. Now, some of the seed, it falls on all different ground and I was thinking about that and I want my heart to be prepared. I want to be good ground so that when seed is being sown, it comes up and produces a harvest to feed me and the people around me. We're talking spiritually. But it's the same as in the natural. I can get me a good, you know, garden rake and shovel and a good farming hat and some overalls and a bunch of corn and I can come in here and work until I'm pouring sweat and plant corn all over this concrete not going to get anything doesn't matter what time of year it is it doesn't matter how hard I work how much I how much I prepare the ground how much I, I can come in here and water it every day with a water hose all over this concrete and I'm not going to get any corn or I could walk outside and dig up some dirt and prepare the ground and plant the same corn and reap a harvest. I can feed myself and the people around me. Or I can use that corn to attract a deer and shoot it and feed myself and the people around me. Or I want to reap a harvest. So I don't want to have a hard or unprepared heart. God is trying to plant. Sowing seed. We know that his word is life. It's seeds going out. But a lot of times we come into church with a hard heart. And so the worship team or the preacher has to spend half the service plowing instead of planting. I'm trying to feel it and prepare and get you to receive something. But think of how much more you could produce if you came in with a prepared heart.
already plowed, ready to go. So we got to hear his voice. What time is it? going to go to a couple other scriptures, but I'm going to, let's talk a little bit about baptism and go have a celebration. Speaking of prepared hearts, I think it's really cool that um, Lexi came to me and asked me to baptize her. It's been several months ago, and uh, so did Tristan. When did you ask me? It's been, I think it was the first of the or somewhere around the first of the year, Tristan came to me. And then with all the stuff with Corona and all the crazy stuff happened, and we weren't even having church for a while. And so uh, had time, <laughs> the prepared heart. And I think it was really cool that, like, the growth I've seen and it's just really cool that God's doing something and, and you want to tell everybody and show everybody. So I'm just going to give you a quick little thing of what baptism means. And then we're going to go celebrate. So what, is, what does baptism mean? Because I think a lot of people get confused. I've had somebody ask me this week about, well... Like, what is it? What does that What does that actually mean? Because we all have some kind of idea of what we think it should look like or what it means. or, or And it can get very confusing if you start listening to all the religions out there that have a different idea. And even different denominations in the Christian religion have different ideas of, of what graduation should look like. And your grandpa might have had a different idea than all of that. And... Do we dip, sprinkle, dunk? What, like, what is baptism? What's the right way? What does it mean? Is baptism justification? Can you be saved if you're not baptized? Can all these things? No, baptism's not justification. And yes, you can be saved and go to heaven if you haven't been baptized. That's not what it is for baptism is testament was written in Greek and the Greek word for baptism is baptizo and it means literally to immerse to dunk to go under and to come out it just means to be dunked under the water which is what we're about to do and when God tells me I'll pull you back up Good with that, Tristan? So you better hope I listen to the first part of my message and I'm hearing his voice. <laughs> no competing voices. <laughs> no. But the word baptism, it just means to dunk, to go under. So, all right, that's what it means. Well, what is it? Okay, we've established that's what it means. Dunk them underwater. 
What is it? It's a symbol. It's an outward symbol of an inward change. It's a change of heart. We're talking about having a prepared heart and hearing God's voice. It's a change of heart. People have asked me, like, why we don't have an altar call every week at the end of the service. And sometimes we will, and sometimes we do. And But we've had people even leave our church because I don't have an altar call at every single service. And sometimes I just, every once in a while we do, and you guys know that. But I've had people ask me that, well, why don't we do an altar call after each service? And I'm not against it. But do you know that altar calls have only been in church history for about 150 years? Like Peter and Paul and the early church, and you can read about the early church in Acts, and there's all these different descriptions of what the church looks like, and none of it says an altar call to raise your hand and come down front and say that you got saved and nothing's wrong with that. But what they did in the early church and what they taught us and told us to do as the church is that baptism would be the marker of your salvation. And when I think about it, even Jesus, the Son of God, all God, all man, he came to earth, he wanted to be baptized. He went into the river and let John baptize him. And that's when God said, this is my son, and the Holy Spirit came down. So even Jesus got baptized. That's the way that the people in the New Testament or the early church made a public declaration of their faith. It was through baptism. Colossians 2.12 tells us about baptism. Paul wrote this. Buried with him in baptism. This is the symbol. This is what it symbolizes. Buried with him in baptism. Wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins. And the uncircumcision of your flesh. Have he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you some of your trespasses. Oh, I'm sorry. It says all of your trespasses. And if you look back in the Greek language, that word, it still means all. All of your trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us. It's not who you are. And took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Sin had some labels on you, but they were false. Not who we are. Verse 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, having disarmed them, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in all. He won. He went to the cross. 
He paid the price that we could never pay to cover our sins. And we believe that. And so today, the, the people that are being baptized, you're going to get dunked under the water as a sign of what's going on inside. To say in front of your family and your friends and your church that, hey, I believe that the price was paid, that Jesus died on the cross and covered my sins. Not about what I can do. And here's a sign, here's a symbol. This is the best way I can think to, to describe what baptism is. You could call it the wedding band of salvation. Like if you look at this ring right here, see this ring that I wear, my wedding ring. So if I lose it or break it, I've been through a bunch of them, but it's has nothing to do with my, my marriage. I wear this ring as a symbol, right? A symbol of the covenant. If I take this ring off, I'm still married. Right? I didn't like, the same as a baptism, it's a symbol. See, that's not what baptism, don't get baptized, you can still be saved. See, that's not what baptism is. It's, it's just a symbol. It says, I'm off limits. It lets people know what I'm committed to. That's what baptism is. It's letting people know, hey, this is what I'm committed to. From now on, my number one This is it. So baptism is a sign of what I'm committed to or a sign of what I said yes to. So I'm going to pray. And then any of you that can or want to and are willing, we'll head straight over to Bo and Amanda's house and we're going to baptize some people. God, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for placing breath in our lungs. God, forgive us for pointing out the negative finding things to not be grateful for when there's so much that we could be grateful for. God, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross and pay for our sins, a price we could never pay. We're so grateful. Thank you for being a loving father that, that made a way for us to come back into a relationship with you. We want to hear your voice. So help us to get rid of the distractions. To quiet the competing voices. And to spend time every day preparing our hearts. 
We want to step out with obedience. We want to serve you with passion, with a heart on fire. Not held back by the past. Not held back by the chains of sin. But free to run the race that's set before us. Free to serve you and to be all that we're called to be. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.